Hello, and welcome to episode 101 of Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Ebling. This episode, we're discussing Spirited Away, the Oscar-winning animated movie from legendary director Hayao Miyazaki. In addition to celebrating the film's 20th anniversary, we're looking to remedy a couple blind spots with this episode. The first obviously being that we've never discussed a Miyazaki movie, and the others being that we've never done an anime, and we haven't really discussed any foreign films. So in preparation for this episode, we did a mini immersion into Studio Ghibli before watching Spirited Away. Spirited Away has been an audience and critics' favorite from the moment it was released. Miyazaki was already a legend for such classics as My Neighbor Totoro, Kiki's Delivery Service, and Princess Mononoke. It grossed over $300 million worldwide on its way to winning the Oscar for Best Animated Feature. Since then, it has been regarded as one of the best films of all time, and certainly one of the best animated movies ever made. For some, it served as a gateway into anime, and arguably helped move anime into mainstream American cinema. But does Miyazaki still sweep us off our feet? Or is Spirited Away a name we should forget? Keep listening. us in. What is it? Come on, let's go in. I want to see what's on the other side. I'm not going. It gives me the creeps. Don't be such a scaredy cat, Chihiro. Let's just take a look. The movers will get to our house before we do. It's all right. They've got the keys. They can start without us. All right, just a quick look. Forget it. I'm not going. Come on, you guys. Let's get out of here. Come on, honey. It'll be fun. I'm not going. Chihiro, just wait in the car then. But mom! Wait for me! So that was, of course, from Spirited Away, the movie we're talking about today. And Chihiro's parents are trying to get her to explore this strange, dark tunnel in a decrepit yeah, got, building. Gotta say... Put myself in her shoes. I'm kind of with her. Uh, like, do we need to do this? Yeah. <laughs> is this something we need to do right now? Right. Especially since the, the way they got there was sort of mysterious. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, we don't need to get too into it, but no. I also was just kind of like, why is he driving so fast? Yeah. Like, he's he had just, four-wheel drive. <laughs> I guess that's true. I didn't think about that. When you got four-wheel drive and you're on a road going There's nothing woods, but nothing but a gas pedal in the floor there. <laughs> that's true. But in any case, that's where they ended up. That's where they ended up, and that's how the story kicks off. It unfolds uh, from there. They yeah. kind of end up in this weird spirit world bathhouse. Yeah. Their parents become pigs. Nobody talks about how cliched this story is. <laughs> Wait, you've seen it once. You've seen it a hundred times. times. Parents can... stumble upon a large amount of food in yeah, an right. abandoned amusement park and turn into pigs and... And of the course, kid has to navigate there's being gonna a, be a bat a Japanese bathhouse for the spirits. Right. Uh, and of course the the kid's gonna get a job there cleaning and I know. And, and but so, there's something about this movie some, that, that really clicked with it. It really takes those cliches and elevates them to new heights. Right. Uh, that's that's the gift of that's yeah. the wonder of Miyazaki. Yeah. Really. yeah. So uh but yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about this. I, before we jump in, I wanted to so this is our first anime. 
that we've ever mm-hmm. discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, really, our first foreign film, even. Mm-hmm. And even then, we're getting away with we like, a, watching it dubbed. dubbed in English, yeah. <laughs> um, but kind of before we dive into this particular movie, Studio Ghibli, mm-hmm. like, Let's let's lay some some groundwork for the listeners here of where we are as far as like where are you at with anime? Have you watched a lot of anime? Have you enjoyed anime? I uh, I haven't watched a lot of anime. I think people who are really into anime get into TV. Yeah, and th- there's no anime that I've gotten into. Uh, no TV. Um, I, ha- I I I do like some movies. Like I haven't I haven't even seen like Ghost in a Shell. Some of them really like foundational ones. I've seen Akira. That's really good, but I kind of I'm I'm very I'm very surface level. Yeah. Like Studio Ghibli, and then Satoshi Khan is really the only anime that I've seen. He uh, he was super groundbreaking. Um, there's a every frame of painting video about his work about and it just shows how many things he did in his movies that got copied by directors mm-hmm. later on. Paprika was probably the most like mainstream one. But Millennium Actress and Perfect Blue are two of the famous ones. But he also has done TV shows that I would like to see. Tokyo Godfathers was his movie. I don't know if you've seen that one. No, no. Um, but he he actually he died in 2010. He died pretty young. Okay. Um, just a tremendously groundbreaking with the way he would edit and the way he would use animation to tell a story that you just never could in um, with like real filmmaking, right? Like real real life. We'll make sure to uh, we'll link to that every frame of painting yeah. uh, video in the show notes if anybody's interested. I I mean, so you're kind of coming at it as like barely even feeling comfortable saying you've dabbled. Yeah, and I'm going to come at it even less than that and <laughs> say like before this episode, I had not even seen a whole lot of Studio Ghibli. Mm. Uh, I definitely caught up with s- as much as I could, mm-hmm. uh, which is still there's a lot of huge uh, holes in my. F- viewing even within studio ghibli yeah um and then outside of that as far as anime goes i've seen barely anything i watched a few episodes of a anime series called afro samurai oh, that sure. was really fun uh samuel l jackson did the um the dub one of the dub voice characters mm-hmm. uh for the uh, english translation of that and that was that was a that was fun that was sort of a realization that i think i could enjoy a lot of anime series because mm-hmm. i just watched that not even a year ago mm. Um, preparing for this episode really made me want to keep digging into more anime. Yeah. But I just have to, I feel like it's good to kind of lay out at the beginning. Like we are definitely speaking to this as newbies. Yeah. I don't think we're going to bring a lot of the sort of context that someone who had, has watched a lot of anime, knew a lot about Japanese animation could bring into this. Yeah. Unfortunately, I kind of feel like, uh, and I don't know if we want to even get into kind of first viewings. Uh, I guess we might as well. Yeah. But I mean, just anime wise, I feel like for me, growing up, my first exposure to it probably had to be like seeing Speed Racer, sure, the cartoon, and I never liked it. Yeah, and I didn't either. It all kind of, and and then I kind of realized that Japanese animation—that's that is just the style. That's mm-hmm. what it looks like. And I thought all Japanese animation was basically Speed Racer. Yeah. And so I was kind of like, I guess that's just not for me because right. I don't like that cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really kind of crappy of me to say like this one thing yeah that is anime i don't really like so i must not like any of it yeah you know? but that's just the way it was growing up and i was never mm-hmm. really all that exposed to it and I, I never saw my neighbor totoro or any other studio ghibli that you maybe would have seen growing up um i really didn't see any of it until i think spirited away yeah i feel like even though totoro had been around most of my life 
it wasn't really it wasn't a part of my I didn't, scene growing you know, up i didn't you know i yeah i didn't i don't remember seeing it at the video store no. or anything but on top of speed racer which like like you i just didn't really like it um a little bit later in childhood it was like sailor moon and pokemon which oh, i was sure my I, younger brothers and sister uh got into pokemon and yeah. i didn't like that either yeah i was yeah. just a little bit too old to get into yep. pokemon and Sailor Moon was for girls, yep. so there was no way I was going to watch that. And so I just had kind of put it into that box, um, really, until Spirited Away won the Oscar. And did you watch it when that happened? Uh, not right away, but not soon after. Yeah. Not long after, I should say. Um, it was probably within five years of it okay. winning that. Probably around the time, so I guess maybe more than five years, but around the time that Ponyo came out, because... I heard like everybody was excited about Ponyo and but I have seen a lot of the Studio Ghibli like Howl's Moving Castle and Princess Mononoke but I saw that a long time ago and Kiki's Delivery Service and Grave of the Fireflies which is one of like the saddest movies Seriously, of all time. I have seen that, yeah. Um but one of the cool things recently in like preparing for um this was watching a lot of Studio Ghibli with my kids mm, and yeah. showing them Totoro. And there was one Sunday afternoon that I think my wife Kelsey is going to like file away as one of like the great days because we kind of I, I, like we just spent the day together and it culminated in maybe eating popcorn or whatever, watching Totoro. And the kids were just like so absorbed in it. They loved it. They like just thought parts were so funny. And like the whole time they were wrapped up in it. And then um, not long after that, they both got sick. So we ended up watching Kiki's Delivery Service like three times and Ponyo a few mm, times yeah. and Secret World of Arietti. And so we just kind of went uh, into the deep end of Studio Ghibli uh, the last few weeks, yeah, which not, has been really fun. Not not a not a bad uh, bunch of movies to immerse yourself in. So no. um, yeah, that's, such that's great. Good sick movies because they're so yes. gentle. Yes. I can definitely see that. Like, you know, when I was sick, it was Price is Right, but I kind of wish it would have been Studio Ghibli, <laughs> yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And they've got that, like, almost ambient music. Yes. A lot of that is um, the composer that works on a lot of Miyazaki movies, Joe Hisaishi, I think is maybe how you say the last name. I'm kind of, mm -hmm. I might butcher that. Yeah. And we can definitely get into this because it's in Spirited Away too, but mm -hmm. I love the music in pretty much every Studio yeah. Ghibli movie. Um and especially like the theme, the main thing of My Neighbor Totoro yeah, is something that, just that keeps I, I keep it in a playlist of stuff that I need to listen to when I need to pick me up or something to just kind of get me to, you know, in a meditative way, get away from things a little bit. Yeah. The music in Studio Ghibli, it's got these Japanese mm -hmm. notes and flavors to them, but it's still very Western. Like there's a, it's very, yeah. it's very just straight up like classical music in ways too. And then with, yeah. with that one with My Neighbor Totoro, it does have that kind of 80s sound to it, that little mm -hmm. bit of ambient synth going on, mm -hmm. kind of laying the foundation. framework the foundation yeah. there. Yeah. But we're not here talking about Totoro. No, no, no. We could, <laughs> we certainly. Could. Yeah. Maybe um, should. Sometime. But actually, that, you know, um, so if we're going to talk about like first viewings. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, my first entry into Studio Ghibli was Spirited Away. Uh, and I kind of just watched it as like a fill in the gaps kind of yeah. movie. Like, I, I did have some roommates uh, after college. I lived with some guys. And um, 
in we kind of had the pooled together DVD collection, mm-hmm. uh, and Spirited Away was in there. Mm. I don't remember even whose it was, but somebody liked it enough to own it on DVD, and it was just one of those where I'm. It's it's an afternoon I had off work, and I'm like, I got to catch up on something, and mm-hmm. I just pulled it out and watched it, sort of with no context whatsoever. And I remember, um, I liked it. Uh, but obviously, like, probably not enough to like really keep digging yeah. into Studio Ghibli, and that's kind of where it stopped for years. Um, well, I I kind of think Spirited Away is a is a potentially jarring introduction to right. anime because there are things about it that are very much in the Japanese animation tradition that if you aren't aware of them or haven't seen them someplace else, it could feel just like. And I'm I I can't even like fully name them. I just know. That like once I started watching other ones, Spirited Away, I liked it more because it was like, oh yeah, this is just the sort of thing that happens. This is a type of character, or this is a type of plot line, or that things will come and go, or you know, like right. yeah. And if you're not used to it, then Spirited Away is not going to really hold your hand right. through any of that either. And it was also just sort of a apprehension because I'm, I was always kind of confused about how I should be watching these movies because. Mm-hmm. As I do watch a lot of foreign films, and it's kind of like, of course, you never watch the dubbed version of a foreign right. film. You know, you watch you watch the uh, the actual yeah. film with the subtitles. Yeah, and I cannot even remember if I watched Spirited Away that way the, when I watched it the first time, or if I watched the dub version. But then I kind of realized that when it comes to Studio Ghibli, like for my experience, the dubbed version and and the dub versions are done very well. Right. Uh, because they're, you know, basically done by Disney yeah. and they get really good voice talent to do them. I kind of had to just realize like for me, when it comes to Studio Ghibli, it's totally fine just to watch the dubbed versions. Right. So do you know, like, uh, does it even matter? Like, did you have a letterboxed rating before you watched it this time? I don't know. I don't remember what it was before. It was probably around four stars. Which is, I think, where I'd, I'd, I'd keep it. This isn't my favorite Studio Ghibli or favorite Miyazaki. I feel like I have a lot of questions. I re- I can really enjoy this movie, but I also can't really tell you what is going on necessarily. So I was hoping that maybe we could kind of sort some of that out right. yeah. in this. I, I see. I, yeah, I see what you mean. I mean, I think if you were to go, yeah, so like my letterbox rating before with a rewatch was also a four star. And I think that even is where I would keep mine as well, even though I'm saying that like as I watched it, I liked it more <laughs> the right. last time. But I think you're right where I, for me, as part of Studio Ghibli, it it fits in and it has it, it gives you like a lot of the sort of touchstones and sort of like feelings you get watching any Studio Ghibli movie. Um, and it does have a it, it does have its unique aspects to it um that i really appreciate but is it enough to have it be that like sort of five star my neighbor totoro experience it doesn't it's it's not quite that but it's still like a really special movie right you know yeah but yeah i am curious to know what what maybe some of those uh questions are well yeah i want to share those questions but first i want to just talk about what what is special about this movie and it's a lot of what's special about it is what's special about all of his movies right I do feel like this is a uh, almost like through and through kind of a darker movie. Mm-hmm. Like there are movies that are dark. I mean, Howl's Moving Castle, definitely. For instance, that's one of the ones I caught up with Ponyo even. Like yeah. they have dark elements. Princess Mononoke is very dark. I mean, that one's PG-13. Yeah. 
but this one stays pretty dark i feel like and also mm-hmm. is just like visually it's a darker movie like it's mm-hmm. a lot of it takes place at night yep it's it's not only that it's nighttime because obviously something like my, my neighbor totoro has nighttime scenes but the nighttime is even darker like yeah. it's like black yes. this is like black nighttime for a lot of the movie and even the interiors are like in rooms that are lit with room light. There is some nature in this, which is such a thing with Studio Ghibli. There's so much nature. Yeah. It almost seems like this movie, more than the other ones, has even less nature um, than a lot of the other Studio Ghibli. Yeah, it's really kind of at, at the beginning, and then maybe if you wanted to put it that way, like the train. There's the train, and then like you could maybe kind of see Zaniba's place as like sort of a, a place of solace bit, in nature yeah. like it's a little bit more in the woods but yeah that's kind of that's the kind other of stuff it. yeah the the bathhouse and everything it's city of a sorts like it's not you know modern urban but still like just the backgrounds of miyazaki movies and anime generally are just astounding and yeah yeah you go back and watch some of even like the classic disney american animation and it's like man we didn't like Lion King, the backgrounds are just like so weak compared to um, anything. Like in this movie, the the scenes where they're like walking through the flowers, yeah, and just that sequence yes. of the train ride. The closest thing we might have in American animation would maybe be like Bambi. Yes, which I think Bambi is uh, a movie that was inspired by Japanese artwork, or vice versa, or or like the Japanese animators watched Bambi, and I just think I I'd have to look it up, but I think there's a there there was some sort of Japanese influence with Bambi. Yeah, um, there was Tyrus Wong, who I mean he's an American artist, but he was um, a Chinese-born American artist. He did all the backgrounds. Okay. Bambi. And Bambi's a beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. If you ever go back and rewatch that movie, it's the backgrounds, the the sort of nature backgrounds of that movie are astounding. Mm-hmm. And I it's, as someone who had not really watched any anime or Studio Ghibli or Miyazaki, it's something that kind of like resonates with me when I watch it as it reminds me of watching Bambi when I was a kid. Yeah, and there's a PBS American Masters documentary about Tyrus Wong called okay. Ty- Tyrus if you wanted to learn more about him because that art that that artwork was all his. And yeah, you see that connection between, and granted he was Chinese born an American artist, but still okay. like, a, um, that there's definitely a different eye. And it's that sort of like watercolor cell mm-hmm. animation too, which Miyazaki is in and studio Ghibli. They never did away with that. Now spirited away and a lot of studio Ghibli does have digital animation, yeah. but it all starts with that hand painted yeah. hand animated cell drawing, right. you know, and in spirited away, it extends to the characters. Yes. You know, like scenes of the abundance of food and the different spirits who are just gigantic and moving through these spaces. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know. The, the the level of detail is absurd. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and like we've already said, like where they brought the digital in, you can kind of tell a you little can. bit, but it's always there to just enhance that yeah. detail. Right. And I could watch just the train scene. Yeah over and over and over again. And I'm not sure what it means exactly. I don't know who the spirit, you know, like the spirits who are getting on and off the train mm-hmm. because those are like humanoid more than any any other spirits we've seen. If that is like any form of afterlife or something, that's like such a beautiful vision of it. Yeah, just this a great peaceful metaphor. Yeah. train and it's beautiful and the the way the the camera kind of the quote unquote camera moves over the water. Yeah. It's well, and I think that's interesting to say quote unquote camera because Spirited Away 
it really draws attention to it as cinema. There just seems to be um, a real level of attention to even just like, where is the camera? What is the angle that this is showing right now? Mm-hmm. You know, and the movement of it. In the and, movement, yeah, yeah. There's also it's just a very dreamlike movie. I mean, in the more disturbing sort of dreamlike than other ones, but just sort of like the time it takes to do things and mm. the the time it gives the character and the audience to orient itself to the world. And it's just, even though this one's darker, it's still such a peaceful movie mm-hmm. uh, overall. Yeah. Well, and you say peaceful. And I think for me, one of the things that um, I really love about this movie is uh, you could also say like just the, the, the moments of quiet that are in the yeah. movie as well, which is also something I know is done very intentionally in, in here. So it does give you that sort of serene. I mean, this is a frightening movie in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like this is supposed, and it's supposed to be like this is supposed to be like uh, kind of a nightmare for this ten year old. Yeah, but to still be able to have these moments of just uh, gentleness, it can sort of take time to settle into these places. Uh, I mean, one of the best scenes I think in the movie, and it's and it's kind of heartbreaking too, is just when uh, Chihiro and Haku are kind of like out in the field after she's had her name taken away so she's actually mm-hmm. sen in yeah. that in that scene it's really sinking in that this could be forever for her and right. she's kind of trapped and the quiet around her just kind of crying and then him giving her the food there's such a gentleness to that whole scene mm-hmm. <laughs> have some more you'll be all right <laughs> I've got to go now, but I'll be back to help you soon. Just stay out of trouble. Thank you, Aku. You're a good friend. You know, I can't even see a scene like that really pulled off the same way in Pixar. Mm -hmm. And I love Pixar. Yeah, and without culminating in some sort of, like, turnaround. Yes. Like, just sort of saying, like, yeah, you're crying about this right now. She's crying about this. This is a sad thing for her. Right. And I feel like that happens in several of them. Like in Totoro, there are times where characters are just sad or tired or angry and they just emote. I kept trying to think as I was watching this, like what what kinds of things is this movie trying to say? Yeah. And there are some conclusions you could draw as to far as to where like this movie stands on certain things. And in other ways, like a great movie. It doesn't really answer a lot of questions for you. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was just trying to think of, and maybe you, and, and see what you think as far as like, what are some of the things that this movie definitely seems to be sort of like saying or critiquing? And the first thing that comes to my mind is definitely just right at the beginning, like the way Chihiro acts versus her parents to stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, stuff as in like, this movie definitely t- seems to be saying that greed, consumerism, these things are bad for you. And she just is never taken by any of that. I mean, Mm -hmm. gold, there's the whole scene with gold where everyone just seems just like in a a panic trying to get gold. And she is just unfazed by it. Mm -hmm. That's rewarded. Mm -hmm. Um, In the beginning, obviously, she is not really that enticed by this food. She is kind of like, what are are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? And then the the parents' reaction is... It's materialistic where the dad actually just says, don't worry, we, I've, got, I've got credit cards and cash, yeah. you know. 
this idea that like we'll be fine we've got money yeah and the, i mean we kind of joked about it earlier but like when she asks are we lost and he says don't worry i've got four-wheel drive right like i've got my things right that does seem to be something that through a lot of studio ghibli you kind of see this sort of like greed and consumerism it tends to basically destroy this world we've been given and yeah. destroy people and their relationship yeah. to each other yeah this one seems to be more about destroying the people right or like you know your your own identity, but on top of just like the overindulgence, she just seems to be somebody who is, who controls herself more than anybody else. There are a lot of things that serve that serve as pitfalls for characters in the movie that she never falls for, mm. including like doing crap work. She for one thing, she doesn't necessarily know different of like what's a bad job versus what's a good job, but she she just does what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And she's the only one in the movie who always does what's right. I, I think that that's a big thing that's happening. Um, well, and but again, like you said, it doesn't like hammer that. It's just sort of a thing about her that she she controls herself. But I think the other thing that drives her to do what's right is that she never immediately sees anyone as a villain, mm-hmm. with the exception of possibly uh, Yubaba. Mm-hmm. There's monsters that everybody else is repulsed by or everybody else thinks are bad. Um, And what I love about this movie is that it always seems to offer this way that every character can be redeemed Mm -hmm. in one way or another. Haku is one that's like, he's come to her as a friend, Mm -hmm. but then she's told by other people who, you know, should maybe know him more and know better are saying like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really ever trust that guy, Mm -hmm. you know? And she never really stops trusting him. She but, loves him. She loves him. But on top of that, you have a you know characters like um, the stink monster mm-hmm. that nobody else wants to touch. Um, yeah. She's kind of by the, uh, you know at the mercy of being told to do it as her job, but still you know she does it yeah. and ends up finding that this is actually a monster that just needs help. Yeah. You know, and everybody once they pitch in to help, this monster is completely cleansed. Right. It's, it's like it's a really I I love the scene where all the crap just comes out. You yeah. Know, there's something that's really satisfying. very satisfying in that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, a character like No Face, which is mysterious, and then turns into an outright monster and is mm-hmm. eating people. Eating people, yeah. You know, and she doesn't give up on No Face. Right. And No Face ends up being redeemed again right. in the end because it, it, they kind of realize that the bathhouse is not good for him. Yeah. He needs to be out of it. And as soon as we get him out of it, he'll be fine again. Right. You know, that like, it's like everybody kind of has their own darkness. Mm hmm. Or their own struggles, or their own pain, or their own hurt, and she is able to figure out in each person, like whether it's Haku and like that she just needs to trust and love him, mm-hmm. whether it's the stink monster and he just needs help, needs to be cleansed, or yeah. if it's No Face, it's just like this place he isn't good for him. Needs to get out of here. Yeah. She is always able to find what that character needs, and the only thing that really drives her to do that is is really just that. She doesn't make quick judgments about people, right? You know, I think that that's just again. Think that of course that's of course that's a great lesson for kids, but it's a great lesson for myself yeah. as well. You know, yeah. And like you said, it doesn't like hammer it. It's it, it's part of the quest. I, like yeah. just it's her survival. Her survival is to have to figure this stuff out. But it's know? also just part of who she is. You know, it's not like something she had to overcome or anything. You know, we don't get like this view of her as like this brat who suddenly overcomes. It's just, she was always somebody who took a step back mm-hmm. and judged a situation like she was right to be 
to say we shouldn't go through this tunnel. tunnel. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, she didn't eat when her parents ate. She, just the whole movie, she makes good choices, which you would think would be, make for a really uninteresting story because where would the conflict be? Well, I think the conflict is that sometimes that good choice is to kind of be the killjoy Mm -hmm. and the one that's like, "Eh, no, I don't want to. And you look like kind of like a whiny brat. Mm Mm-hmm which I've heard in other like people's you know interpretation of the movie that she kind of starts that way and then ends up becoming stronger. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, I, 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 I don't know. I think she just knew. Yeah. <laughs> and also like she as far intuitive. as her being sad at the beginning because she's having to leave school and everything, leave her friends. Yeah. That's not being a brat. That's just being sad. Cause yeah. you're, you know, cause you're leaving. But anyways, well, that's, that was something I wondered, like how does the fact that they're moving fit in with the story? Because a lot of times the fan- fantastical story is a working through of issues with the real life story. Yeah. Um, I guess what one thing that comes to mind for me is that in the bathhouse world, she forgets who she is and she has to work really hard to remember who she is. And any sort of big life change could call into question who you are. Mm-hmm. And being in a new place or getting a new job or going to a new school, like all these things give you the opportunity to be someone else, but you've got to continue to remember who you are. Well, that was, I think, going to be my my next thing about like what I think this movie, one of the things this movie really has to say. You know, I, I kind of talked about how there's that aspect of like characters being redeemable. I think there's also that is a huge aspect of it is not only finding out who you are, but remaining who you are. This movie holds something like your name. In very high regard. Right. Um, that's how she forgets who she is, is she literally gets her name taken away from her. and can't mm-hmm. remember who she is by her name. And the movie is really, from then on, just about trying to recover that. Right. Um, because that's how you stay there forever, if yeah. you forget who you were before. And I think, like you were talking about, that really is a good parallel to what's happening in her, quote-unquote, real world, where she's getting pulled into a new place completely outside of her comfort zone. And there's a fear, I think, of kind of losing who she is. And I think that conclusion comes at the end. The movie ends with her saying, I think I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. But that's just the idea of like, you know, she's gone through this this process, this quest of really figuring out who she is. And like I was saying before, like sometimes that means that's because she's, you know, hesitant to try something because she kind of knows it's not the right thing to do. In other ways, it's these really big steps of boldness and really big steps of doing something that nobody thinks she should do, like getting on that train, right. <laughs> you know? Um, but in either case, she's figuring out who she is and that the movie is really kind of putting the pivot point on the name. Like she she loses her name and then she has to kind of find her name again. And I know this is going to seem like a big stretch for a lot of people, but it did make me think about another movie that I loved that just came out this year that I that I watched. Uh, it might be my favorite movie of the year, but it's Spencer, mm-hmm. which is all about how Princess Diana gets thrown into this situation and she loses her name, Mm -hmm. you know, and she has to go through this gauntlet. Mm -hmm. And obviously the gauntlet in that movie is very different from the gauntlet in Spirited Way. Yeah. Well, why would they call it Spencer if the name wasn't But that's what the whole, that that was the whole thing. And and then she, you know, spoiler alert, but it's also just history. You can look it up. You know, she she ends up kind of like reclaiming her name as Spencer. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was a really interesting parallel. And, I don't think that much about my name, about mm-hmm. Nate, or I don't know how much you think about your name being Ryan, mm-hmm. but 
you if you really do kind of stop and think about it, it's like if you really think about your name, like the way you act is a way of preserving that name. Mm. You know, the way that you present yourself, the way that you stay true to who you are is a way of kind of claiming and preserving that name that you were given by your birth that you cannot, I mean, you could legally change it, I suppose, but right. like, it's something that's so much a part of you that you, we don't really think about too much. Yeah. And just generally how the way you act, the things you do have an impact on who you are. No face never changes his name, but his behavior changes his identity a great deal. Yeah. And the same with the parents, you know, they get turned into pigs. Right. <laughs> right. And it's sort of, yeah, like a combination of your name is who you are and what you do makes your name matter. Mm -hmm. That's and, probably an even better way to, to, to put it is that like what you do makes your name matter. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that she stayed true to who she was, whether or not she had, she was called Sen or Chihiro is I think kind of the point of the movie. Like how do you stay true to who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you're called, and she's able to remember her name more easily than other characters because she didn't change her identity. Mm -hmm. It would be easier to see the message or the point of the movie if he had done what I can picture American movies doing, which would be like show where they were, where they came from, what, what was life like before. Oh, yeah. And then Good what's point. life like mm -hmm. in the new place? And then now they've got to, they find some room in this place that leads to the bathhouse, whatever. This doesn't do that. It's just, we're driving away from the place that we were at to the place we're going. There's the place we're going. We're not there yet. But let's, then this detour. You don't have to show like, oh, she was, you know, like, she, these things were really important to her and the move made her a brat. And then she had to remember that those things were important to her. It's just, no, we've got a kid who she's consistent. Right. And our, our friend and listener, Eric emailed about uh, the movie and he, he talked a lot about how he had heard, you know, parallels to wizard of Oz and um, he can see that. And, and I can see that a little bit too, but what, what I don't think is like wizard of Oz and what I think is, an asset to the movie is that it doesn't invite allegory like, Oh, the, the, the stink monster is this person from her life right. or this aspect of her life or no face is this person from her life. It's just, these are other beings and ways of living that she encounters. Mm -hmm. And we don't have that invitation to make connections because we never saw anything on either side of it. You know, there's no, and you were there and you were there. Right. Yeah. And that can make it sort of confusing and feel like it's got less of a point than maybe an American movie or a movie that would do that. But you can make meaning without needing those like clear cut connections from the quote unquote fantasy to the real world. Right. The other sort of story that this one gets compared to a lot is Alice in Wonderland. Mm -hmm. which maybe doesn't have like what you're like. I think wizard of Oz has definitely what you're talking about. And you could say that Alice in Wonderland doesn't have that as much. And it really is just sort of her getting dropped into this world. Mm -hmm. But that one just kind of strikes me as like, we're just going to throw this girl into this trippy world for a while. And then I don't even know, like the point of the, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, I, I don't mind Alice in Wonderland, but yeah, I don't really feel like it has much. Alice is definitely a, a, a more, empty character. Well, that's what I mean is like, is there even much growth of Alice in that movie? Yeah. Like she kind of just stumbles around this world. I think she kind of comes back. Not that different from <laughs> who she was when she yeah. went in there. I mean, and that's my, and that's, she's that's fine. If that's stuff. the point of Alice in Wonderland, I'm not trying to, yeah. you know, um, 
but I do think that that's that might be a little divergence with Spirited Away, mm-hmm. where you're really invested in Chihiro as a character and like who she is. Yeah. Whereas I feel like Alice in Wonderland is really more interested in how Alice in Wonderland bounces around this kooky place, right. you know. And of course, that happens in Spirited Away. She definitely gets bounced around some really interesting places, yeah. but it never loses focus of this being about Chihiro. Yeah, and it kind of feels like. If if you're gonna be boiling it down to messages, which maybe we don't even need to do, but you know, whatever. I just like thinking about like what is this movie trying to say? Yeah, you know that like not, I'm not looking got, for a message movie, but. right, 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 right. I know, but like you've got like Chihiro as a character who it's like you can stay true to yourself no matter where you are. Then you've also got No Face, where it's like sometimes a change of scenery is what you need <laughs> right. to you know like sometimes your environment will change you and yeah. you need to be aware of that. And yeah, the, and the parents too, and just various ways of dealing with changes of scenery. You've got various ways of dealing with power. You've got various ways of dealing with forgetting your identity. And it all kind of rotates around Chihiro's strength in a really beautiful, peaceful, kind way. Yeah. All right. So at the beginning of the episode, uh, you had kind of said that uh, you had some questions about mm-hmm. the movie. Um and, and we kind of went into like all the stuff we loved about it. And then we never kind of left there. We kind of weaved in and out of a bunch of stuff. But uh, are there still like questions well, you have about the movie? My questions mainly were what what's the message or like what's the point? Yeah. Uh, where uh, And then, you know, what's up with no face sort of. And then uh, asking like what moving or the kind of frame story has to do with it. So I feel like we answered those. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I had a question and it's, it's a question about the very end where Yubaba has one last challenge for her. Okay, I'm ready. I'll take your test. Mm, you got guts. I've got your contract right here. Come this way. This will only take a minute. Don't worry. <laughs> See if you can tell which of these pigs is your mother and father. <laughs> You get one try. If you get it right, you can all go home. Hmm? There must be a mistake. None of these pigs are my mom or dad. None of them? Is that really your answer? Mm Mm-hmm. And that was one where I was just like, okay, so that's a there's victory there. Mm-hmm. She's not falling for Yubaba's like final challenge. But was there anything deeper to that? Like, what? <laughs> I don't know. I think she like, always saw people. But did it have anything to do with her parents at all? Like, did it have to do with her seeing like, no, my parents are not these pigs. They're different pigs. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I think I, I think the only thing I could see is that like she always saw people for who they were. You know, like the whole movie, and or she hadn't lost herself so much that she lost her connection to her parents, or so she was know. able to somehow. We don't need to see that, but there is some sort of certainty she has that they these pigs are not her parents. Yeah, she's just always been somebody who trusts her gut. Yeah. And, and I'm trying to remember. So then, how does she see her parents again? Uh, they're just they're just there. She just goes back. 
and they're at the entrance to the thing. Got it. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you could really, I, I don't think the movie necessarily invites it, but you could sort of play the games of like how much of this even was real or right. how much of it was a dream. And, well, you know, and then, were her yeah. parents ever really pigs or were they not? And she kind of, like you know, they were. <laughs> I, I would have thought so. The, the, there was like dust in the car and everything. So right. I'm wondering like, what's up with their house? Did somebody, <laughs> did their movers just like, all right, we'll just put the stuff here. And then it's been weeks or whatever but that, did the, like, the parents don't seem to think there was any passage of time no that's why they were so confused by the car that's looking right like it yeah had. yeah but yeah i just didn't know i didn't know if i was genuinely asking is there more to that last challenge like yeah i think somebody who had lost themselves more would say like oh i don't know any of these i can't tell them apart i'll just pick two and then or they would just have like a total breakdown yeah i can't figure this out i guess i don't know who i am yeah that's yeah that's what i feel like all right i'm okay with that yeah. That's fine. Me too. Her parents aren't pigs anymore. That's yeah. good. I think that's really the message of the movie. Mm-hmm. So anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I I really liked watching this movie again. Mm-hmm. I, I did get a lot more out of it watching mm-hmm. it this time around. Seems like maybe you feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And definitely talking about it helped too. But you did not watch this one with your kids. No. Yeah, this would no, be a little too scary. Way too scary. I had my... my um, my kids were in the room when I started it, um, and I, I don't know. They they just kind of lost interest, and, and they did leave. Um, but I I kind of think they're just in a phase right now. If it's not oh, Captain yeah. Underpants on TV, oh. um, they're just not that interested. Yeah. yeah, I want to keep watching Studio Ghibli with my kids so that when they are old enough to watch it, they'll... They'll, under, they'll know, get like, it and they'll oh, know it's good. This is I worth wanna, watching. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to keep watching it with my kids so that when they get older, they don't uh, rely on their cash and credit and yeah. turn into pigs. Right, and drive carefully. Because who knows, if, drive who, who knows if they're going to have a 10-year-old girl to get them out of that fix. That's true. But anyways, uh, would you change your, uh, your, your rating at all after um, the discussion? Or? I don't know. Four, four and a half. I could see four and a half. Just yeah. the, the Miyazaki bump. <laughs> I think that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah, we could make it a thing. Yeah, I think that's good, but, but like, I think I'm gonna any movie by Miyazaki gets a half star more than you rated right. it. Well, I did. We didn't talk Studio Ghibli, generally speaking, a whole lot. Not I mean, is much. there? Do you have like a sort of in your mind kind of a ranking of like? Do you have a favorite oh, or? I think Totoro's my favorite. Yeah, but I, I need to watch more of them, and I need to watch them more. Mm-hmm. Just like rewatch. Yeah, because I, I remember like a years ago. I think it was one of the more recent ones, The Wind Rises. Mm-hmm. I watched it like when it first came out, like on DVD. Mm-hmm. I definitely need to rewatch that one. Me though, too, because uh, I barely even remember it. Yeah, and I, there are other I, Princess Mononoke. I need to watch again, but then the other Studio Ghibli non Miyazaki ones. I want to. Right. Well, we didn't even talk about that too much. I mean, the only other one I've seen outside of Miyazaki is Grave of the Fireflies. Mm-hmm. Wow, which devastating movie. Yeah. Um, but so good. Yeah. But yeah, there's so many more to watch and. And then outside of Studio Ghibli, we should probably venture. I, I would and, say so. Yeah. I would say Satoshi Khan is great. Uh, or Kohn. I don't know. I've been saying Khan. It might be Kohn now that I think about it. But um, Tokyo Godfathers is really great. And it's it's he's got some very strange ones like Paprika. And then the time, the way that Millennium Actress goes back and forth in time is really unusual. Tokyo Godfathers is a lot more straightforward and just really moving. Well, yeah, I'm definitely going to be adding a lot more anime to my watch list. 
Well, I mean, I feel like we're best buds on this. Yeah, we're yeah. Recommending anime we, to each other. A, there's a sort there. of a, a peace and gentleness between yeah. us that can only come from Miyazaki and mm-hmm. immersing <laughs> ourselves in Studio Ghibli. And um, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, then, yeah. I guess that wraps up our discussion of Spirited Away, and uh, maybe we should. Uh, now talk about what we're going to do in our next episode episode 102 102 yeah of uh, can we still be friends yeah it's a bit of a it's a bit of a roll of the dice this one i think so I mean, it's a real gamble mm-hmm. as far as call uh, it that. What, uh, yes I, I will call it that because you know it's like jumping out of a plane without a parachute because we just really do not know exactly what we're doing for the next episode yet yeah and we could yeah we'll, Ball, we could die we could die um. So what we're gonna do is not pick a movie. Oh my gosh! We're not gonna pick a movie because we are going to let the fate voters of the, <laughs> the academy. academy. Okay, I guess it's not quite fate, but it's <laughs> the the academy voters are gonna pick our movie next time. Uh, we've we've we've, we've and we definitely we've, trust their judgment. We've talked we've talked to them. Um, that's actually why this episode might be coming out a little bit later in March because we were using a lot of time to negotiate the, right. the ins and outs of this. I mean, they approached us and said we, we were hoping we're kind of doing them a favor. Yeah. The Academy is yeah. real. I mean, I don't, I don't know that they want us to frame it that way. We're, but we're transparent. <laughs> yeah, they approached us and said the you know ratings are dropping. Yeah, they had a couple ideas. Uh, you already know some of them. They're going to drop the uh, the the best soundtrack, uh, best editing. They're going to pre-record that, right? But they're not going to. It's not going to air. They're not airing it at all. I don't think so. I uh, thought they were airing it. They just were going to be like, and here are the winners of blah blah blah. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. But that that was one of their ideas for yeah. um, higher ratings. The other idea being to approach us yeah, with this idea get get our our listeners on board to, you know just kind of they didn't put it steal some of our audience you know just sort of right. just by association they, make them look they, a little they bit they kind better. of saw the can we still be friends listenership as an untapped pool right the academy did right well kind of a lost pool a pool they had sort of alienated right with some of their dis- green book what have you <laughs> right various choices so they came to us saying it's like mending a bridge, right? Is that we're kind of like, yeah, you're you're you're, well, you're is just that trying what, to get the bump. Is that, is that what we do? Yeah, I mean, do we do we even really? We did it for Mark, and so anyway, they're going to be voting uh, for our what, what what movie we're going to do next time, right? And um, that movie that they picked for our episode, they're also going to be naming best the, picture, best picture the at year. the awards yeah. show. So they will announce our episode at the near the end of the the Oscars telecast, and um, so we don't know. Right. That's the 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 accountants at Price Waterhouse Coopers are probably still tallying votes. I think voting into right. this week. Yeah. I mean, I don't know all the ins and outs of it as far as how it goes exactly, but we do know they told us the movie that is announced at this award show the, um, our next episode our, is, is going to be the best is picture going to be the best picture winner, winner um, as selected by the academy so we're we're excited to, to we don't know we have no idea well we um, i mean we've got it down to 10 yeah it could be any one of these 10 movies right. uh, which which we didn't have any we didn't have yeah, which we I mean, would have there we were movies i would have liked to, to have thrown down, in there yeah, but, but they said this is this we we can't it was we can't how it works this was the whole yeah but that was very cool uh, to reach out to us yeah, yeah. and we're, we we are very cool of us we're glad to to do that for them too yeah but we still need to see how 
cool they end up being. So our name won't be directly associated no. at the telecast. No. We hammered that out. They really wanted to be able to advertise uh, naming the next episode. Best Picture Can We Still Be Friends? It, uh, episode yeah, 102. Can, and we said that's... Just keep it. We'll say that on our end. Keep the tradition. We'll say that yeah. on our end. Right. Just you, name, you don't, name Best you don't Picture. get that bump. We'll eat that. Right. And we'll, we'll announce it on our episode 101. That was the other thing. They wanted it to be on episode 100, and we said we're not. We're not. No, we. That is a that is a time for celebration, right? So your your co- commercial venture doesn't enter this. Yeah, that so was a that. I mean, that, that was a, a that was sacred. a tense conversation. But I mean, I'm glad we stuck to our guns because yeah. our episode 100, I thought, turned out. You know, I was pretty I was proud, proud of that. that yeah. yeah, and it would have been cheapened. Yeah. So the, our next episode will be announced March 27th. I hope you tune in. You don't have to watch the whole thing. Yeah, just, but just watch the stick part. Out to the, stick out to the It'll end. It'll be in the papers the next right. day, too. It, just basically do it enough to give them that rating Yeah. Um, so that they can kind of feel like they got what they needed out of us doing this episode. Right. It'll really be announced everywhere. It's kind of cool that, like, you know, our next episode is just going to be announced everywhere. Yeah. And that's that was largely... Because as much as they are gaining an audience we're we're going to get a little bit of a, a little bit more exposure than we typically get right so we don't always have that what our international next ep- what our next episode i mean we, we is. have the we have the movie in the philippines right the can we still be friends yep. movie in the philippines um and a, uh, a sh- shout out to our facebook followers from the philippines mm-hmm. uh we haven't done that in a while um but that's, that's a true. that's been mostly the extent of our international reach mm-hmm. and so it'll be there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of people between here in the philippines so yep Oscar's biggest night will be. Can we still be friends? Announcing Good our next night. episode. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe we'll do an episode, a kind of a pulling the curtain back on this whole thing in a few years once we, we see how it goes and everything. But there might be like a secondary documentary about mm-hmm. the planning of episode one hundred and two. Yeah, we'll a mini episode. But uh, anyways, whatever movie that ends up being, we hope you do watch it with us. I mm-hmm. believe most of these movies are on streaming platforms, and who knows by the time we actually release this episode, maybe it'll even be more easy to access whatever movie we're talking about. We yep. don't know what it is. And that you give us your feedback. Give us your mm-hmm. feedback about, uh, you know, you can, you can kind of broaden it even, talk a little bit about the year. Uh, this would be 2021 in yeah. the film. Uh, what you thought was the best, uh, if you disagree with the Academy or agree. Yeah. Let us know uh, what you think uh, before that episode. And uh, there's a lot of different ways to reach out to us. We've mm-hmm. got uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash can we still be friends podcast. Mm-hmm. Instagram, we are there. Uh, can we still be friends pod? Mm-hmm. Leave out the cast there. Okay. Shoot us an email anytime, feedback at canwestillbefriends.net. Mm-hmm. You can also visit our website, canwestillbefriends.net, where we've got 100 and now 101 episodes worth of material there, including some bonus episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so dig through those archives, if you will. And uh, you can comment on any of those on our website if that's your preferred mechanism for feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a phone number you can call. Ryan, do you want to get the phone number? I don't. You don't I'll, I'll take care of it. 847-306-9532 is the number to call if you'd like to speak your mind. You mm-hmm. can also speak your mind by using the memo or voice messaging app on your phone. Mm-hmm. And package that up into an email and send it our way. We would always love to include those uh, voice messages into the actual episode. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you after the awards ceremony. <laughs>